Hi friends, and welcome to Beyond the Mist, a little behind-the-scenes look at my prep for each episode of Mistworld, my inspirations, and what I find worked and what didn't. Uh, I got the idea from a recent Reddit post looking for GM prep podcasts, and so here we are. Time-wise, we just released episode 3, so I'm going to be backtracking a little bit until we're all caught up. I am assuming at this point that you've listened to Mistworld in its entirety, otherwise you're going to be facing heavy spoilers. In this episode, I'm talking about the prep that came even before our session zero, what I did to create the campaign, the idea where those ideas came from, and how I started that prep before we started uh, talking about recording. Now, um, and also why we chose Tiny Dungeon as our system. Now, first about me as a GM. So, first thing, I am a thief. I am a big believer in stealing ideas from other things, other readings, other movies, and then bringing them into my games and including them. Uh, right off the bat, in our first episode, uh, in the opening scene, there's, there's something I've stolen, and I'll talk about that when I get to that episode. Um, so I encourage you, if you're a GM and you like to, uh, if you're a big reader, big movie watcher, big whatever, big player of ga video games, use what inspires you into your games. Um, for example, I've done a, a game where my players were trying to rob a train as, there was mo as it was moving and as they started uh, enacting their plan to rob the train, another gang appears and starts robbing the train. And halfway through, they thought, oh, that was a great original idea. And I said, you just did the opening scene of the solo movie. Um, there's nothing new and original here. Um, second, when I do play an ongoing campaign, I try and include little story hooks along the, along the way. I visualize them as hands reaching out for a high five. And sometimes my players will reach out and, and hit those high fives. Sometimes they leave me hanging. And it just means that that way, either potentially we can go back and, and get those high get those story points back later, or it means that it can be built on a bit down the track. And I'll be, as we go again, I'll be revealing where those come through. Um, but even just as simple as a bit of graffiti on a wall could be something like this, one of those story hooks where the players go, oh, what's that? Who did that? And pursue it, or just think that it's a bit of setting decoration in the background. Um, thirdly, when I am doing an ongoing campaign, I prefer plot point campaigns. This is, I believe, a Savage Worlds term. But what it basically means is rather than me dictating, okay, we've got a big map here and the players have to turn left in order to reach the next village and that village will, will then have an attack from the big bad guy. Um, I don't usually like those kind of systems because if the players happen to turn right, then you're either going off the rails or you're trying to force them uh, to go left instead of going the way that they want to go. When I play, what I mean by plot point campaigns is that I have little, almost like story checkpoints that my players uh, need to need to connect. So it doesn't matter to me if they go left or right. The story checkpoint will occur regardless, unless they're trying very hard to run away from those particular plot points. In which case, that story event will happen without their input, and they may end up being behind the eight ball if they keep on fighting against those tides. So. Those three points is probably how I describe myself as a, as a GM. Uh, in terms of inspiration for Mistworld, uh, basically I had those during COVID um, from watching Stranger Things Season 2, where they had the Mind Flayer, this enormous beast lurking uh, in, the, um, in their version of the Underdark, and also from the short story Stephen, by Stephen King called The Mist. Um, basically I had this, uh, this idea while walking my dogs for a very foggy night of this enormous creature roaming through the mist and just plucking people, animals, whatever, up and consuming them. And from that we got, I got the inspiration for 
a short campaign uh, that I played with my friends online. Like, I don't know if people are familiar, but uh, I live in Melbourne in Victoria, Australia, and we were locked down for months at a time. So the only way I could I could scratch my gaming itch was playing online with some mates. Um, that short campaign was basically them being on Mistworld after being on an airship that crashed. And from there, uh, and that's basically when I started thinking about doing this campaign, this tale of air that we just completed is the prequel to that original campaign. And when we move on to, if, if we move on to season two, the tale of land, that will be a basically retreading of that original campaign I did with my friends. Um, and in Tale of Air, we met the Blue Sister. She's, she's one of three powerful Fae. It's kind of left up in the air if she's one of the original creation creators or if she's one of one of the earliest things I was creating, but the idea is that she is extraordinarily powerful. And when I was visualizing this campaign originally, I, she's one of three. So she's the Blue Sister, there's also the Red Sister, and the Green Sister. And so when I was talking to our producer about... Um, doing these stories, I said, well, I wanted to have three tales. Uh, those tales are connected to the three elements, air, land, and sea. And so when I decided, okay, well, we're going to have three tales, that means there's going to be three seasons, and one of them is based around the air, what that meant was that the tale of air was initially would have been just there in the airship for one episode that crashes and, and they then start off under, under the mist. Instead, I created an ongoing campaign where they would be on the Hope and Grace, on this big airship, and they needed to have a story to go with them. So that, so what I wanted to do is I didn't want to have it connected with what was happening in, under the Miss World just yet. <coughs> and so I decided that I looked into what do players want to do? Wouldn't it be cool if they got a chance to kill an ancient dragon? Even if they're only at this point level 3. Um, let's find a way to kill an ancient dragon. So at this point, I didn't have a motivation why they'd want to kill the dragon. Uh, to be honest, I didn't get that right up until just before episode one as to why that might be, and the subsequent destruction of other airships around. So I was just like, I just decided, no, let's just try and find a way for them to want to kill the dragon because that just sounds fun and awesome, and the rest of it will fall into place. I also wanted the season to be really short. Um, I've got a young family. I struggle with really long campaigns. I've tried to do uh, very long campaigns in the past, and oftentimes family, uh, when I'm studying, you've got, when you've got assessments, life just can do, just get in the way. So initially I estimated that I wanted to be able to tell the story in six episodes, that we might take a break, and if people respond positively, uh, look at doing the Tale of Land after that. Um, now, as I said, we just recorded episode three, and so now we're looking more like eight episodes at this point. But the idea is that everyone, you'll be able to get a whole story, a whole campaign in those eight episodes. Um, now I've mapped out the plot points as they happen by each episode, and I will reveal them as we go. Um, but I've got these ideas of every time we have an episode, there's a story point being completed. And they go for that checkpoint, and then we're ready for the next episode. So I've got my plot points. I've got the ending, which is they're going to kill a dragon. I don't have the motivation just yet, but I, I didn't ask my players for backstories. Um, what the, were they doing before we came across them? Because, as in most systems, the players aren't just newborns. They're not just just entering the world. They've done things in the past. So asking my players for backstories, it, for me it serves two purposes. 
number one is usually with backstories, they could also give me NPCs to work into the story. Um, so as we go along, I've got one or two names from each players or people that they that their particular character will have an emotional connection to. Um, so if I choose to do something with them or give them a bit more of a personality, then that's just another way of tying in my players in. The other reason why I ask for backstories is because life can happen and we don't always manage to get everyone to come in for a recording. So by getting a backstory, it means, it means that if one or two players are out, we can still do a recording, and it might, but it might be a flashback episode of one of their backstories, something that happened in one of their backstories, or something that's happening now in the background with their family members or something like that. So just a way of kind of um, being prepared for those nights when not everyone can turn up. Uh, at this point, we haven't used any of them yet by episode three, but uh, at, and at this point I haven't prepared them, but I just got an idea of, okay, so for example, uh, one of the players uh, who plays Mr. Whitbear, Connor, he is, he's got a backstory of he basically accidentally set his family's bakery on fire. Uh, he's run away in, in shame and his family have actually bounced back with an enormous insurance payout and are actually happy and wanting him to come back. So in that case, if we go into the backstory for, for him and do an episode, it would be uh, the hijinks that ensued that would lead to him burning down the family bakery and then running away. And so it might be that he has a couple of cousins uh, involved who um, the other players would be controlling. Aside from that, I also wanted to include a four-note song, so I asked my players if any of them had any musical talents, just to create like a four-note little lullaby. Uh, put simply, um, I want to include that because without giving too many spoilers, there is a possibility if the players don't go too far off the rails of time travel uh, in a future in a future season, and those this little four note lullaby would I'd be using to use as a way of tying that time travel together if it happens. At this point, there's nothing saying it can't happen, and uh, but and it's nice to, again. It's just one of those hooks that I want to have out there. One of those high fives that I can come back to and say, "Hey guys, this is where these connections have been made." So we've got we've gone through where the Miss World came from. We've gone through where the sisters came from as well. Um, the other part was we needed to decide, to decide on the system. Um, Dungeons and Dragons 5e. Everyone's played that. I'm not a fan. I find it tends to be uh, very slow, especially when it comes to combat, and it doesn't do social encounters very well. And I like having uh, social encounters out there as an option. Um, so what I brought to my players was let's. I've got three systems that I'm considering, open to others if any of you are familiar with others, but I'd like, what we can do is we can do a, a one-shot in each one of these systems and try them out and then we can have a vote once we've all given them a go. Um, so obviously Tiny Dungeon 2nd Edition was one of them. We also tried a system called Tricube Tales and the other one was Fate Accelerated. So most of you probably have heard of Fate. Uh, Fate Accelerated is basically a rules-light version of Fate. Um, you're, it's much simpler, you're only looking at approaches, to, in other words, the way that players do. Um, Tricube Tales is kind of in-between in uh, Fate and Tiny Dungeon in terms of it's a bit less airy-fairy and a bit more defined um, than just having the aspects involved with Fate, but it still is doesn't have defined actions or anything like that. 
Um, so while those are both great systems, and I really enjoyed playing these kind of unrelated one-shots with my players, and to be honest, we did them in different settings as well, just to kind of keep things fresh between us. I think the fact that they didn't have set actions like Tiny, Dungeon, Tiny Dungeons also just meant that my players felt a lot more confident about T Tiny Dungeon, about what they could and could not do, as opposed to Tri-Cube Tales or Fed Accelerated. Uh, for myself, when I'm playing games, I, tr I like to use systems that are s simple, rules light, that are multi-setting, so you can use them in, uh, you can use the same rule set for fantasy games, as futuristic sci-fi games, as cyberpunk games, as western games, and while Tiny Dungeon is fantasy only, there's also Tiny Frontiers, which is a sci-fi rule set, etc., that just spread that, that it brings the rule set into other settings as well. If you like kind of multi-setting rule sets that might be a bit more crunchier in terms of rules, I would also recommend Cypher and Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds is probably my favourite rule set. Um, however, it can get a bit complicated, again, especially with combat, so I opted not to include that for these rule sets. At this point, that's what I had prepared before we even started going in. So we played these one-shots with, with the players. They We all started on Tiny Dungeon. I knew I had these plot points that I wanted to go through. And as of next episode, I will go through what happened from episode one, the, the prep that went into that, and uh, we'll go from there. Thank you so much for your attention. I hope you all have a good night. Thank you.